Hello, this is Chuck from Above the Basement, Boston Music and Conversation. What is a jamoke? Is a chump a jamoke? I really have no idea, but I love the question and I will begin using that word jamoke on a regular basis. These are the deep questions we dove into when talking with Jennifer Dangora and Ed Velasquez. The Plymouth native, also known as Jenny D, has been on the Boston music scene long enough to be in more bands than we can count. The Dents, Jenny D and the Delinquents, the Downbeat Five, and more recently, the Shanghai Lows, and the fantastic group of musicians that make up the equally fantastic band of their own, which performs mainly to support Hot Stove Cool Music, the annual benefit show supporting the foundation to be named later. We will put a link on our website for more information on that great organization. Ed is studio manager of the infamous Q Division Studios. Ed's also an accomplished producer and bassist. He plays bass in The Gravel Pit, The Gentleman, Jenny Dean and the Delinquents, Abby Barrett in The Last Date, The Prenups, and far too many other bands to count. Chances are, if you are a regular on the live music scene in Boston, one of these two musicians and great people were on the stage. These are also only our second married couple to have on ATB. We'll let you listen to the episode to find out the first. So... Here is our conversation with Jennifer Dangora and Ed Velasquez, recorded virtually in Boston, Massachusetts. Sometimes I try to ask people who would know our guests if they have any good stories to tell me or you know, something interesting that I should know about you guys. So I emailed Bill Janovitz. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no, that man is a vault. You can't, like he said, he said, oh, they're great kids, but I'm not telling you anything. <laughs> We've been trying to get Bill on for a while, too, and he's, he's – Yeah, good luck with that. I know. He's tough. He's tough. He's a busy uh, And then I asked Hilkin. She said – what did she say? That when you op- – uh, Janice, when you open your mouth to sing Friendship Train, you blew everyone away. That's what she said. That's actually what Bill said, believe it or not. Really? Yes. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Billy was super into that that night, as I recall. Was that just one night of, was that a uh, band of her own event or what? Yeah, that was yeah. the hot stove, cool music thing. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so we missed that this year. Yeah. We did it We did it virtually in June, and uh, it looks like we're going to do another virtual one in March. Did they do something separate for Chicago, or is it just the... Uh... No, we just did, we did the one in June that kind of, you know, well... Could, that was kind of the Chicago one, I guess, because yeah. we had done the real one in February here, right before. That's the- right. We did do the Boston one here this year. That seems like 20 years ago. Oh, that was right before? Yeah, yeah like February 8th. Yeah. Which feels like it was 2010 or something. But <laughs> I know. I know. It was a fucking year ago. I know. I can't believe it. I really I can't. Is it bad that I'm swearing? I'm sorry. No, you can swear if you want. That's fine. <laughs> You can swear yeah. if you want to. <laughs> Sorry. I should have done that. Is that yeah. an opportunity missed? Damn it. My God. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I would say you are our first husband and wife to be on, but I don't think that's true, Ron. Who else did we have on that we spoke to that were married? I'm not sure. I can't remember. There was one other. There was I don't think I care. I, I, you know, I'm just, you know, small talk. I don't know. Before we get into the real, the real Jesus. No, stuff. but I'm trying to think about it. A husband. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, uh, b- b- Walter uh, Sickert. Oh, Walter Sickert. 
Oh, right. Yeah. And Idri. And their baby. And their the baby. whole family was there. The whole family. That's right. Yeah. Baby. They have a baby. Yeah, it's really cute. Well, not, not a baby anymore. She's a baby. Right. Oh, I, and I think the baby's name is Wednesday. Uh, yes. Um, or Alice. <laughs> Wednesday or Alice. Or Alice. <laughs> Isn't it Alice? Maybe it's I Wednesday. think it's Wednesday. So maybe we'll have Wednesday, to look that Alice up. Alice or something? Anyways, we're talking too much. We want to talk to you guys. How have you guys been doing? I know it's been now almost a year in COVID quarantine. How's it been, uh, how's it been going for you? Music-wise, it's been busier for me. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's weird, you know, the things you, you know, you figure out how to navigate this thing and still do the thing you want to do. And so, you know, we bought a home recording set up in March and we've been recording all kinds of shit for people and, mm -hmm. and have been back in the actual studio since, well, since we did that hot stove stuff. So I started doing sessions in like June, you know, very short sort of very distanced, very, you know, safe things. And I, I think I'm in the minority where all of my friends and bandmates are like, oh my God, I can't wait to play live again. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I could I could do the virtual thing for for longer. So can you record virtually tracks? People send you files from all over and you sort of you can create albums just like you did before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's the file management portion of the program is a lot more tenuous, but uh, yeah, I mean, when we did that hot stove thing, we were sending all kinds of tracks back and forth between here and LA and wherever, like the band of their own folks, would you have 18 people on that song? Oh God, I don't know. It was a lot. So it was basically, we had a Dropbox set up and everyone would send the files to me and I would edit it. And then I would send the files to my friend Tom in LA to mix. Mm. And we did that with a track with Peter Gammons where I think we had like 20 something people on it, mm. like a bunch of background vocals and whatever. But so that was kind of why the, the numerical value went up so much, but it was, it was hard <laughs> to, you know, sort of wrangle things, but um, it was interesting. You know, I, I, I enjoyed it. But with technology, it, it's I don't know. It's just pretty crazy that you can actually work and and create, tell people you know have people you know create their own vision, their own album. It's not organic like right in the sound booth. It's as it was, but how how amazing with that that you can that you can do that. It's yeah. I mean it's I mean it's pretty nuts that we can do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like before yeah. before COVID, I don't think I'd ever been on a Zoom call before, or you know what I mean. So. Yeah, I know what you mean. And that got old pretty quick. Yeah, about a week for me. Yeah. Yeah, but the um the Shanghai Lows, my current band, we yeah. just we just put out an EP, and the whole thing was done during COVID. Right, because you guys were just about to start recording, and yep. then the thing happened. So the whole thing, like, I mean, and that's a testament to what we can do now, you know, and and get good sounds, you know. Yeah. Who needs yeah. recording studios? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's interesting, Jen, because um, can I, is it Jen or, Jen or Jennifer? I like Jen. Jen, okay. That's interesting because we've, we've talked to a lot of people who were like just about to drop an album and um, 
then weren't able to be, or they dropped it and they weren't able to tour on it. Right. Um, or they decided to hold off. And But you were in a, actually in a kind of a different place where you decide you were going to go into the studio and then when COVID happened, you decided to just do it all virtual. Yeah. Did I you mean, have all the songs already done and everything? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So they were all written and we had, I mean, the band had just started playing out really. And we just made a decision that we weren't going to let this stand in our way because, you know, we just like that, you know, especially Dan, my songwriting partner, uh, Dan Kopko. But so we didn't, I mean, the whole thing wasn't virtual, uh, but each person did their recordings at different studios. And then we put it all together and like one track Ed produced. Yeah. And, you know, and so we kind of did it that way. You guys were the first band that I know that actually went into a recording studio. Like, what you guys cut drums in like May? I don't, I think it was later than that. I remember thinking like, wow, those guys are living on the edge. <laughs> like, yeah, it but it was crazy. But it was one person, like yeah. the other members of the band weren't mm. there. Yeah, yeah you know? just the drummer and a engineer. But the cool thing was that there's this, do you know the audio movers plugin? Do you know that? Basically allows you to remotely listen to high def audio in real time and c comment back and forth. So it's, it's like you're there, yeah. but, but you're not. So hmm. I walked downstairs one night and she's walking around on her phone listening to drums. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? And she's like, oh, it's Chuck. He's cutting drums. And I was like, oh, it's really cool. <laughs> so it's like they could be like, yeah, like um, you're you know, whatever you're speeding up on the chorus there or what you can you can totally yeah, like you're in the sound room you can just press a button and like yeah. press in and 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 your voice comes into his headphones it, yeah it's real yeah. it's kind of crazy wow yeah it's not bad it, did, did you miss though being in the room yeah definitely yeah. because there's a there's just an energy yeah, you know sure. like i've done vocals here this is our home recording room and the and, mess that is behind us and it's cool and i'm and you know one of the greatest things for me to come out of this pandemic if there are any positives is that i was forced to learn pro tools thank you yeah. and take the bull by the horns and like is this going to beat me or am i going to beat it and right. but there's nothing like doing a vocal in a studio and i always need ed there not and, anymore. And I prefer <laughs> stuff. And I prefer to do it at Q. It's just like it's a comfort thing and mm -hmm. an energy thing and a sound thing. We did, but we like all those Shanghai vocals we did at Q. Yeah. 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 But again, it was like one person. Like I went there, Dan wasn't there, none of the other members of the band. But to put all that stuff together and then I mean, you need a key player, and in this case, it's Pat Desenzo, a mixer, master, extraordinaire, and to make it all sound beautiful, you know. Hmm. And many people in Shanghai were in different places, rooms around the area, and yeah. then all contributed. I mean, you know, like you said, the silver linings of some of these crazy times is that there's something so wild about, like, I was going to say, you know, popping in that CD in the car. We don't do that anymore. Cassette. But there's something about like taking a drive or putting on your headphones and like listening to it as if it was all done the the standard way in a studio or, or like on stage. 
but that it all came together from around the city. Because you would never know, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, obviously the drums are cut at a real place or whatever, but you wouldn't know that the kid mixing the record is in his parents' house, <laughs> you know, in Medford. And it sounds like, you know, someone spent like $100,000 on this shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's Shanghai like? Oh, it's, um, how would you describe it? It's like pop. It's pop. sort of it's like pop music. classic rock, but also kind of power poppy. Yeah. And, you know, it's like dueling lead vocals between Dan and Jen, and they have like a really, really unique blend. So it's like whatever, having like two lead singers, like like the Beatles. It's like a poppier version yeah. of Cheap Trick if there was a chick in the band. Yeah. I opened up for Cheap Trick back in college. Really? <laughs> I did. They came to my, I went to Franklin Pierce College in New Hampshire for a year. And they came to my school and I had like this crappy cover band there. And uh, we got to, we got to open up for them and play through their stuff. That's great. That's my uh, claim to fame. <laughs> I, I've had the fortune of opening for Cheap Trick a couple times as well. Oh, really? God, yeah. well, Were you guys in the same band? Um, no, I was in. A, I, I guess I'm still in a band called The Gravel Pit. Um, yeah, right. And okay. we opened, the Gravel Pit. And we opened for them. I don't know. It was probably like '99, 2000 ish. One of the greatest bills I've ever been on was opening for. Guided by Voices and Cheap Trick at the 930 Club in DC. Oh, really? Mm. I've so, never been to the 930 Club. I've heard a lot of like recordings there, but I'd never I'd never been there. It's amazing. It's Is really it still cool. there, right? I hope so. Yeah. yeah well, I'm looking forward to hearing the the when's the album gonna be out, Jen? It's out now, the right. EP. And so we're already working on the next thing. But um, I'm happy to send you guys either the electronic or we do have some CDs. You could send like the link school. right there. I could, I could send the link. <laughs> yeah, we'll do the link thing. Okay. Who, who, who's in the band? Who's in the band? Dan Kopko from Watts, um, Lee Harrington from The Neighborhoods, Chuck Ferreira from a bunch of bands, but Eddie Japan and Lonely yeah. and uh, and me. <laughs> you, that's great. I love that crew. I love The Neighborhoods, I love Eddie Japan. Well, Ron and I did our our last album at Woolly Mammoth. At Woolly Mammoth, so we're 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 good friends with the great Sir Minahan. Yeah, he's awesome. He is great. Is there a is there like what's the what's the camaraderie between you know David Minahan's been around forever, and obviously you play with the guy one of the guys from the neighborhoods. Is what's the uh, camaraderie? What's what did I say? <laughs> no, I just said it's. I just like that's also fucking weird that you're in a band with a dude from the neighborhood. I know. Weird <laughs> <laughs> thing to say, right? That's awesome, right? Um, is there like is there like a a pipeline? Is there anything kind of like is there a connection in some way between you and the other studios in Boston somehow? Um, that's funny you should say that. So when this whole thing went down and no one could work and everyone was recording from home, I had what I thought in the moment was like a kind of a cool idea was like, why don't we get a bunch of studios together to go like pick a song and everyone kind of like Benny Grotto from Mad Oak is a drummer. I called Minahan, I called Brian Charles and I was like, let's just pick a cover, Brian or Dave, you sing it, I'll play bass and we can all kind of produce each other and we can film it or whatever. And it would be like, hey, like our, our businesses aren't going away. Like we're still around kind of thing mm -hmm. and operate at the moment. And then 
I think within a week of that dumb idea, Chuck went over to Benny's and started cutting drums, and then people started doing sessions. Minahan actually never stopped because he's like a one-man operation. So when I reached out to Dave about doing this thing, he texted me a photo from the studio with some dude sitting on his couch with a mask on. And I was like, wait, are you, are you recording right now? He's like, it's do or die. And I'm like, don't die. That guy's a doctor. I'm like, that's the last guy you want. You're building <laughs> yeah. a guy. That's funny. But yeah. Like, I mean, live from Wuhan. <laughs> <laughs> the cheap trick record that never happened. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, nice. Very good. Um, but yeah, like we're all we're all pals, and like I never feel like we're you know competing against each other, even though yeah. we are. Did you ever get to see or go into a Blue Jay recording studio? I did once. Um, the band I was in in the early two thousands won the Rumble in two thousand two, and we got free studio time at a bunch of different places to make a oh, record. Cool. Um, yeah, I worked there. I was a I was a intern there in 1988, I think, and I was the worst intern ever. I don't know. I might have you beat. I got it. They fired me for not knowing enough, and I said, "Well, that's why I'm here," and like that's why we have to fire you. Mm. So, uh, but it was interesting. But yeah, I recorded, I think, like a bunch of vocals and like maybe like some synth stuff there. We had like a six-hour block or something for free, but I remember it being a beautiful place and in the middle of nowhere. Well, that's in Carlisle. That's where I my that's where I live. Um, Power up. What's where we, you know Jerome Dupree from Vapors? I'm a big that's where he lives. Yeah. So uh, there's a bunch of lone rock stars living in the middle. Like still there? Like I remember they were trying no. to like sell it at one point. Yeah, they sold. They they auctioned it off for like I don't know. I can't remember how much it was, but now it's like a, it's a cross between like an architectural place and like a man cave. Cause remember it looks like a hobbit hole. Yeah. Weird. Cool. That's, that's a drag. It was a cool place, but um, yeah, it's too bad. So, all right. So you're, so Jen, you're dropping that album is already out and you're already looking at a second album. Well, we had a lot more songs already like kind of in the can or whatever. And so we chose a few, uh, to release just so we could get them out there and then so we've got a few more from that last batch and we're working on some new stuff so it's going to be an addition to the ep to make it a full album or are you going to have a whole separate probably a whole separate thing because yeah. dan is just he's just he just keeps cooking <laughs> guys into it yeah he's on it yeah dan should run every band <laughs> yeah <laughs> jen do you write most of the tunes uh, yeah. yeah, they're all co-writes. Yeah, in 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 music and lyrics, or do you they kind of come together organically that way? Or so for me, like I'm not I'm not a skilled musician, so I'll sit down and write a rough template, you know, with basic chords, and then everybody adds their you know their parts, solos, whatever, and they're you know they're <laughs> whatever. You know, the, the, nice. the stuff that doesn't matter. You know, just, Whatever. <laughs> Gotta have it. Sure. No, but like I, I couldn't write a bass line to save my life, you know, sure, and I'm certainly good. not going to dictate drums. So, but I do write lyrics and I'm really picky about them. And I, you know, I 
am really, <laughs> I'm really, really strict about them. Like if Dan gives me something, I'm like, you know, red marks, you know. Yeah. Um, really? Yeah, so that's how that goes. Grammatic things or? You know. I know. I'm just Stop. No, I just, sometimes I feel like not a, not a lot of people put enough thought into lyrics, you know. Yeah. They rely on cliches and, you know, things that are easy. So, <laughs> so I, I, I like to make sure that we, we're not trying to get away with anything. Well, when you think about the, the, the subject matter, like if you put a lot of thought in your lyrics, did it have rhyme or reason about, you know, being in this last year? in a crazy isolated pandemic world like did it were there themes that sort of came into that i know that you wrote pre-pandemic yeah but did anything come together that was like oh this is like my quote like covid song no no uh, so a lot of a lot of the material like you said was written before the pandemic so yeah there is one song about um the kids in cages so, and then there's one about uh, growing up in Plymouth. <laughs> so that that's a uh, also sort of like being a kid in a cage. <laughs> yeah, totally. But yeah. um, but I will say that one that I'm working on is kind of like thinking about how you see yourself since we've all had to kind of isolate a little bit, you know, from yeah, a little. Oh, yeah, just a, just a <laughs> teeny little bit. Um. How do I feel about that? Like, did did that make me appreciate being alone, or does it make me crave other people? Or you know, so it's less about the pandemic itself and more. Yeah. About, hey, do I really need all you guys? Or you know, right, anyway. right. What, what's the conclusion? I'm not going to tell you. I saw some, <laughs> I saw some lyrics scribbled on a, a yeah, shush, envelope. Yeah, just shush. Like, get the fuck out of the house. That one. Is that yeah. about is that about me? I, I don't really need you at all. I can hear the chorus right now. Go the fuck away. That one? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I like that. Go the fuck away. Yeah. I was um, uh, spying on your Facebook pages, and uh, you guys have a daughter. You know, I'd be really interested to see what she had to say about growing up with two rock star parents. I mean, that's such a – because you guys are like – there was there were actually I got this from an, an interview, I think, about the Down B5, I think it was, Jen. Where someone said they were were rock and roll lifers. They're the Boston rock lifers. So just you've been in the scene since you were teenagers, at, at, le at you know, at, at the very least, I guess. And I just wonder. I mean, that's what a what a cool thing to have your parents be rock stars like that. That's great. How old is she? She's nine and a half. She's, yeah. she's right downstairs. If you want me to get her, no, that's no, okay. I don't. <laughs> want to... Um. Yeah, I mean, I think since she's living in it, you know, it's just day to day to her, you know, and yeah. when she hears somebody else react to us, like her friend thinks like I'm some big rock star because because I play the hot stove. And you have a CD. You have a yeah. Oh, yes. And, and have I have couple, something on a CD. A couple, two, three. Yeah. So, right. so that's when she kind of thinks about it. But otherwise, we're just. We're just a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we're just parents. But if you if you're a nine year old and you bring your buddy in like a fifth, you know, what is she, fourth grade, yeah. and you go into like the paradise and you get to see your mom and and your dad or both like jamming on stage. I mean, that's that's a pretty rare thing. She seems fairly underwhelmed by stuff like that. Like we would bring yeah. her to sound check for yeah. hospital, thinking like that would be 
like a super cool thing. Like, hey, this is sort of like a behind the scenes thing. And yeah. hey, look, there's Eddie Vedder. And she's like, yeah, whatever, dude. Oh. Like, don't care. If it was Billy Eilish or somebody like that. Well, you guess guys, you gotta step up the people you hang out with, I guess. But how did actually on the hot stove note, how did you was it you, Jen, or Ed or both? How how did you get first involved in that? It's twenty years now, right? Twenty yeah, this year will be twenty one. Yeah. So we, we um, talked with Peter Gammons, had a great conversation on the podcast a couple of years ago. And uh, we know we know about it and Paul Epstein and others, but what was your uh kind of uh, entry into that world. Well, Gammons wanted to start this this concert series thing. Him and Jeff Horrigan, who was he was the, uh, the sports writer for the Herald at the time, so this mm -hmm. was like 99, I guess. The very first one was, you know, it was sort of last minute. Like, I think we had like two weeks to plan it out. And we had a band from New York called Carlton Fisk and a band from Boston called Thurman Munson. <laughs> awesome. Interesting. Yeah, and I, I don't remember who else played, but I ended. I played bass. I was in Kay Hanley's band at the time, so this would have been like two thousand. We played a you know our normal forty-five minute set or whatever, and it was like pretty crowded, but not like what it turned into. And then the yeah. next year, I didn't even know Peter played guitar. He was like, "Hey, I want to play some songs at this thing," and I was like, "What do you do?" You know, and then <laughs> ended up you know back a bunch of us backing up Peter like myself and Bill Janovitz um, and Mike Gent and P. Caldez and Phil Aiken were like Gammon's band. And then we ended up making a record with Gammon's in like 2003-ish, I think, four. I can't remember so long ago. But yeah, so I, I've been involved since the very beginning and sort of ended up becoming sort of like de facto music director guy and helping book a lot of the bands and organize the whole show and whatever so but the foundation being named later is like is, is something that really you know took on a life of its own it sounds like in talking with uh elise and others i i love the concept that it's like sort of this menu of foundations that helps others yeah and uh you're not out to you know you're not out for like one organization but and, and music is kind of music is the glue you know music brings you brings us all together as someone that started that, uh, must be pretty. Obviously, the pandemic was a roadblock, but it must be pretty cool to see that expand. Yeah, I mean, it was the kind of thing where, like, you know, if we didn't do a virtual one, there was a bunch of kids who would have not been able to go to college. And yeah. so, Elise, you know, was like, "How do we do this?" And we got, you know, a bunch of us got on Zoom calls every week from March up until June when we did the thing, and you know, we. We didn't raise quite what we would have raised in Chicago, but but close enough and enough to like ensure that these kids could go to school. And a bunch of kids like, you know, they couldn't afford laptops. So it was like we raised we raised a good chunk of change for that, which was great. Yeah, I mean, I'm honored to be part of that. And they're just, you know, lovely people and you know, I feel very fortunate to to know them. In fact, it's such a great event. Yeah, incredible paradise. I mean, we 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 went the last the last two. Although I have heard, and I think you know, Kay, you mentioned Kay. Kay's one other person we've been trying to get on between her and Bill. Um, you know, she lives in California now, so it's a little harder to get her on. But um, we've been working on Michael Creamer to get her on, and she he's trying, but she's she's hesitant. But she's she's. Uh, I remember her saying that uh, it's the night before that's really the big 
the big bash. That's that's the that's the party you want to be at at the hotel the night before. It's fun. That's kind of the fun. Like that started as like a almost like it was like a rehearsal the night before where we when the paradise front room was open, we right. would, we would basically run our sets more or less and just kind of riff on Stones covers or whatever with Bill and Mike and Gammons. And then Mike O'Malley, who is kind of has become the MC of the event, yeah, yeah. O'Malley was like, "You guys should do like a whole night of Stones covers," and so that just became the night before, where we would learn three sets of Stones covers on top of the stuff we were learning for the show, and that just became a thing for a number of years. That's like loose and fun and kind of low stakes, and like usually like either in a restaurant or in the hotel lobby. But yeah, that's that's always a super fun night. So Ed, I know. So you're 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 a bass player. You're in all these bands, and Jen, you're you're you, see, you both seem to be in about 20, 20 different bands. Um, too many bands. Yeah, I would say. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's possible to be in too many bands, but I guess I'll leave that. To, you're in all of them, I guess that. But Jen, you are a buildings trade supervisor at Tufts. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that's like that sounds like a real badass like union, you know, you're there with the heavy fist to make sure people stay in line. We're like what is, what are you doing for them? <laughs> My fist is not as heavy as other people there, but I will say that I'm the only female in my and I'm learning I'm learning a lot. It's really awesome. It's fascinating. What do you what do you do? It's a really fancy title for assistant manager. So we have building managers and I'm kind of a building manager in training. So I've been to school, I went to Peterson and then learning about um, uh, Johnson controls, HVAC controls. So Wait, you Johnson controls? Stop it. Come on. Stop. What is that? Stop. <laughs> you know, I didn't even think of that. That's the first time I've <laughs> I never ever, I, I'm gonna have such a hard time at work. I <laughs> Said hard time. You do need to control your Johnson. <laughs> oh my God, that's the funniest Johnson thing ever. Um, but uh, it's really, it's really cool because there's this whole aspect of building management that is remote and online, and you can control major equipment, you know, from your house. So, like a drummer in a studio, like when you're like going back and forth, right? Yeah. Or a Johnson. No. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm in eighth grade. Sorry, <laughs> still stuck in eighth grade. <laughs> but, but yeah, like I, I um, I'm the person who covers all the calls after hours for the Boston campus, and so when they call, I have to reach out to the right person and get all the information and make sure the right people go. And it's fascinating. Is this Tufts University or Tufts Medical Center? Tufts University on the Boston campus, so right in Chinatown. That is the medical center, right, where the dental school is and all that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the Med Medford is is the regular campus. Yeah, that's the big one. Which is weird because we live five minutes from the Medford campus. That's why I applied to Tufts. <laughs> so we thought, like, oh, this will be a good commute. Yeah. Right. Maybe we'll get transferred. You guys, you guys live in Medford? Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking for an apartment. So if you hear of a two bedroom, Medford's great. All right. So when you when you're like when you get a call, Jen, and yeah. the HVAC is not working in building like A or whatever. So you're like the quarterback, like you need to know yeah. who to call, what to do. 
You say, did you check the Johnson rod first? And if they didn't check the Johnson rod. Check your Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Is this kind of like a day or night job that fits in with music? Like you can, you take your shifts and like, or is it just random or? No, no, it's a, it's a night, nine to five or so our nine to five is kind of like seven 30 to three 30. And then I'll take the calls afterwards at nights and weekends and afterwards means like two or three in the morning she will get a call (laughs) and she will have to get up and deal with shit and then go to work a few hours later it's fine that's why i look like this yeah so you're on call all the time basically yeah all right i'm tired of talking about jen let's talk about ed now no jen i'm just kidding um i'm I'm tired of me (laughs) (laughs) no i'm just kidding jen what's going on with you musically um you know i was listening uh to your music uh today and i'm a huge fan of um bolt of light i like that song a lot wow um, that, one, that one holds up i mean yeah. they all kind of hold up for me but that one particular is a great one between that one and uh and uh, stingray i like stingray a lot too oh, wow. but I, I i mean are you are you playing are you in the studio are you writing what's going on with you um i'm mostly producing people and i'm producing a an EP by a band called Shotgun Waltz that I started in August and we're almost done with. And then just doing random, um, not random stuff, but like, you know, not like full length records, but like a couple songs here or there where I'll play bass remotely or I'll produce remotely, that kind of stuff. I actually talked to the guys from the gravel pit the other day about doing some sort of remote thing since, you know, the last thing that we did was, about a week before the lockdown. So we mm. did like a <clears throat> a live show at Qdivision on the 29th of February. You know, we had like our little mini super spreader event. Unbeknownst <laughs> <laughs> to us. No, I'm just making jokes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I have a live record. Like part of the reason we did the show at Q was so that we could record it just for posterity or whatever. So in March, I was like, oh, since I have a, you know, Pro Tools rig at home now, I'll start sifting through that and maybe like try and mix stuff. Did this COVID epidemic, which they're now saying, I think I read something today that, you know, they're looking at fall is really when, if if things progress the way they hope to, it progresses with the vac- vaccinations and stuff, that fall is really when things can really start opening up. Have you started looking towards that? Are you more of like a month at a time, like me, where I don't think too far ahead of time, just because of the way things are? But um, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm in your camp on that. I I am in bands with people who are like are so itching to play that that's all they can really think about. Like I can't wait to get back and play shows, and I'm like, well, I don't know, it's gonna be a while, and. I mean, I think when it does come back, I think people are going to be psyched and people will be going out to shows like never before. I hope that it lasts. I hope it's not like two weeks, like, all right, I've had enough. I'm going to go back to not going to see music anymore. I think in the summer, fall, like I can't even imagine that energy and how freaking amazing that would be. You're just next to each other and drinking a beer. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, and yeah, you can stream and you can do really cool things and, I think we've pivoted so amazingly, but I don't know. There's going to be nothing like it. Yeah. I mean, I really hope that when it does come back, like people are super in, I know the bands will be obviously psyched to do it, but like, will people continually go out to see music? You know, cause there was a good period during the nineties where people did go out and see music 
you know, seven nights a week or whatever. And there are certain clubs that obviously patrons who, you know, people will go to Toad or Atwoods during the week and see bands. But like that has certainly fallen off since the sort of Boston music business infrastructure has kind of fallen away. Yeah, you know? that's true. Even pre-COVID, yeah. Yeah. So you know, there's there's no radio stations that play local music aside from college radio. You know, yeah. where in the '90s there were commercial stations playing local bands, and and obviously even back into the '70s where those bands kind of were given a, a fighting chance because there was like people could actually hear them. You know what I mean? So now yeah. we're relegated to college stuff and local music shows that aren't even on radio stations anymore that are like on the internet and whatever. I, I All I'm saying is I hope people really appreciate how much they really miss live music and they will continue to go out and support it. And perhaps yeah. maybe the clubs that are starving for the live music will perhaps consider paying bands what they should be paid to play. Yeah. yeah. It's a fucking pipe dream, but well, you know, it's, I, I agree. I think once this is all over, I think it's going to be a renaissance of something. I, I just think it's going to be such a release for people to go and finally see, go see some music. Yeah. You know, I'm not a fan of the streaming stuff. It's just, you know, I, I it, last March we did, um, we above the basement did some live streaming and it was great. And, you know, but um, I'm kind of over it. <laughs> I need to see some, some live music. And, you know, the thing is like with all the trouble that, that venues are going through and um, you know, venues shutting down and that, you know, by the time people get to go to venues that may be again until the fall, there are only, there's only so many spaces for a billion bands to go out and play. It's going to be interesting to see what comes out of that, whether the, whether there's going to be more backyard stuff, or there's going to be more um, venues that are more out of the, out in the burbs. Um, like like reusing old uh, drive-in theaters for yeah. concerts. Uh, I love that idea. I think that's. I know. It, it will be exciting once we get back to it. I don't know what it's going to take in terms of like what is it like eighty-five percent of the population needs to have this vaccine. Yeah, we we're just talking about that before he came on. I I remember Fauci saying seventy, but yeah, who knows? Eventually, it's going to be okay. We're going to have a certain percentage of the population vaccinated, and then. If you don't get vaccinated, then that's your choice, and then you you're endangering people who haven't been vaccinated, and so yeah. you got to make eventually you got to make your own decisions, and you know hopefully people aren't too afraid afraid of it. But um, can I just uh, say it's really fucking weird to see people without masks. I know. Well, we were doing we were doing this in person. It really is at my sister's restaurant, and we were doing it like. 10 feet apart and we we would in the beginning we'd take our masks off because we were so far apart and then we started doing it with masks and then it became pointless to do it in person with masks yeah you see people talking and it's amazing how much you need to see the mouth moving to really have an engaging conversation you need to see faces and it's hard to hear with a mask on You know? yeah, it is. And I think that's because you also can't see their mouth moving. I, I, yeah, but I also think it was just not safe to get together. Like, that too, that too. like I mean, yeah. you know, podcasts, you can't see your mouth moving, whatever. But like, I don't know. They have they have some masks that have uh, they're clear you could use. Some guy was selling yeah. like like space helmets. It, yeah. Yeah, a lot of speech cool looking, actually. There's but, some speech pathologists I work with that um that have a um it's awesome. You just see a little band here, a little band here. It's all clear. You wouldn't even know. 
it's, doesn't even fog up when you talk or anything. No, no, that's they, they they're uh, they're designed uh, just like that. They, there's there's, a, there's two little right. Johnson. There's a Johnson little uh, <laughs> metal metal Johnson rod here and, and a little right. Johnson down here. Yeah. I do. The I space helmet, it's I saw it. It was right like in over the summer. There was it was being um advertised on Facebook and it looked like out of like space nineteen ninety-nine, if I'm not dating myself again. But it was uh fantastic looking. I'm like, if I had to wear a mask, if yeah. I, if we all to live the rest of our lives like this, that is what I would buy. I would you buy should one. get one. Only I think only you should get one. Only me? Yeah. Just around like that. Oh. Uh, you know who we're talking to in a couple of weeks? We're talking to Juliana Hatfield. I just saw her yesterday. Right. Yeah. She was like, she did, that's where she did her uh, live stream, right? Yep. So we're excited to talk to her. Yeah, she's great. I'm. I've, you produced her album, right? Or didn't you record it? Or? I've, I've been playing with her on and off for 16 and a half years. Um, and I've played on records of hers and I've toured with her, but. That lady does not need a producer. She is. Yeah. She knows what she's doing. She knows what she wants. Knows how to get it. I I love listening to her yesterday. She's so. Uh, I forgot that it was kind of like a live, casual thing because she had. You have like you had like two or three different uh, cameras. Yeah. So it almost seemed like it was a show that was that was edited until she was like looking through her phone. And doing you know normal stuff that you do when you're just talking to people, um, but it was it was excellent. I watched I watched some of it last night. Yeah, I mean that's something we've been working on a queue for a while is to try and like you know watching a bunch of people play from their houses, like oh we have a recording studio if we yeah. have cameras and could make this like sound great and look great like this could be like a fun thing to do and 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 now with like the you know the numbers being so high she's the ideal person where she's just one person not a band yeah. she's right. fully isolated anyway right because that's that's her trip like this pandemic was totally tailor-made for her it does not affect her <laughs> yeah really juliana had you know such a good time doing it the first time she was like oh i think i'm gonna try and do this like once a month right yeah and so she came in yesterday with her dog and did her thing and sounded great and so we were talking afterwards like all right what are you going to do next she's like oh, i was thinking this record and i was like well if you really want to monetize your thing like you should play your god's foot record that no one's ever heard aside from like the leaked bootlegs on the internet yeah like, oh maybe i'll do that i mean she could do one a month for like 10 years and not run out of material you know right that's just she's one also talking about doing a cover uh like doing an entire album uh that she was talking about um yesterday on the live oh yeah like she's done two cover records we did a police record yeah and then before that we did a whole record of olivia newton john oh i saw that one yeah yeah yeah. I olivia -John. that record is great yeah it's yeah that's cool and john. Yeah. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm done talking to ed i want to talk to jen again jen <laughs> jen are you still are you still teaching at girls rock no no that was just a um that was Kind of like a, I've done it twice, I think. Yeah. Are you not doing it anymore? No. Um. It was. I know that Hilkin left Girls Rock campaign, right? She's, she yeah. just kind of retired. She's still like in the echelon of 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 like people who help out, but not directing it. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. I, mean, right. I never. 
taught there on a regular basis. I volunteered um, for a couple of things, but it wasn't a, a steady thing. It was basically whenever I could do it around my job. You know? yeah, okay. That's a bad question. Then. I'm sorry. And band of and band of their own. Speaking of girls, rock is that is that something that is always at hot stove, or do you guys have like your other set? It is now. It is now. I mean, that's the, the hot stove thing. Is like the mafia. It's like once you're in, you're just in. <laughs> yeah. Right. When these band of the own, you're not doing your own other. You won't have your other gigs if post COVID, or you don't know. Oh, what the band of their own? Yeah. It's primarily a hot stove thing. Hot stove, right, 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 right. We did one other gig. Oh, right. Yeah, for the Harpoon Fest. Yeah, right. So that was it. It was just, oh, let's try it. But it, everybody's so busy, you know, it's just yeah. kind of impossible. It's a lot of people to assemble. It's a lot of people. <laughs> it's so, I mean, along with the girls rock thing, though, it's just such a cool, it's like, you know, because it's different generations and like. It's awesome. It really is. And to share the stage with some of the, I mean, I totally take, well, I don't take it for granted, but it would be easy to take it for granted. Like being on stage with like, Kay, she's my buddy. But when I think about everything that Kay has done and Tanya has done and, mm -hmm. and Gail Greenwood, you, you know, be on stage with Gail. Yeah. And, and Jen Trinan and some of the, I mean, yeah. I yeah. mentioned the, the guest stars and stuff that have come and joined us and yeah. It's just uh, like my whole musical existence. There have been these moments like being on because of hot stove. I was on stage with Eddie Vedder. Yeah. Singing really badly at an Aerosmith song. And he, but he. <laughs> kind of, he kind of saved his ass. But he, he dug it and I dug it. And when am I ever going to do that again? You know, it's, how did you save his ass with a lyric or like a high note or something? Or it was a high part. And yeah. And in the moment, well, beforehand, I could do it fine. But in the moment, it just I came across as just a really loud jamoke from Plymouth. <laughs> like, really bad. It just seemed like you were yelling at him. I was. I was right. yelling at him, and he was pointing at me, and I was yelling like at his angry wife or something. There's great video of it where he, like, looks over at her and, like, <laughs> you, you got this, right? <laughs> I got, I got this. you. I got you back, Eddie. That's great. <laughs> You know, I got to tell you, it's probably been about six or seven years since I've heard the word jamoke. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good word. That needs to be brought back into the vernacular. I'm like, trying. Sid asked me too. She's like, what's a chump? <laughs> it's, like, it's a jamoke. Like, yeah, a chump with a jamoke? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think there's more subtleties in, the, in jamoke. Than yeah. Jamoke, yes. is, jamoke is a good word. Yeah. I'm, I'm from New York. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, look, I'm really glad uh, we got a chance to, to speak. Uh, I appreciate your, your time. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing you both live again. And I hope that's, that's sooner than later. And um, I was just thinking the other day, you know, I, I go in and I, and I do an album. Ron does an album every 10 years. I do one every 15 or something. But um, love to go. I've never been to, to Q Division. It's, uh, and so I definitely want to see the space and love to record that one of these days. You should do it soon because we're moving. Oh, where are you moving to? We are moving to Cambridge in July. Oh, mm. wow. My goodness. That, oh, is that, um, are you building? Are you taking over something? What are you doing? Uh, we're building out a, like a warehouse space. Um, but this has been coming for five years. We knew yeah. it was going to happen. And then we started looking for places last January. 
then the lockdown happened where you couldn't really go. No one wanted to show their spaces because right. of, of the disease. And so we've been trying to find a building and long story short, we found a place and we're going to start building at the end of this month, beginning of next month. Awesome. Are you going to, you're going to keep right. the old one open until you move into the new one? I assume. Yeah. That's, I mean, we have to be out by July. Okay. Oh, okay. And you know, we've been in that building for 20 years. So there's yeah. a a lot of shit that we gotta figure out. Yeah. But, Chuck, um, maybe you can move into the studio. Cute. He's looking for a place to live. Right. It's a two bedroom. Does it have a heat and uh, hot water? It's all Sometimes, heat. Sometimes it has those <laughs> things. Yeah. Yeah. It probably has like a coffee machine and I only shower like three yeah. four times a week, so I don't there, need them all the time. There's actually a shower there, but it's blocked by a tape machine and a bunch of old outboard gear. Yeah. Okay. Never That's been. perfect for Chuck. Yeah. So Chuck in July. If you want, if you want to move into sixty six hundred square feet of, of that's nothing. a lot of square feet. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, you can have people over and hang out because it's so big. That's yeah. right. You can have social distancing and everything. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks again. I really, I do appreciate your time. And um, thank you guys. So, so great to talk to you. Very healthy uh, upcoming spring, and we'll uh, hopefully see you before then. Yeah, that you great. too. And Stay safe. If you need help convincing hanley to come on your show i'm happy to do that all right good i think we should have a show with with Kay hanley and bill janovitz and make them talk to each other that'd be hilarious i've seen i've seen that show it's good (laughs) (laughs) oh man that's a great idea Um, i like it you guys are great thanks so much thank you you thanks so much this is fun take care of yourselves Bye. bye thank you We would like to thank Jen and Ed for the conversation. There are multiple websites to find out more about them and their projects, which we will list on our website, but there are too many to list here. The most primary would be JennyDMusic.com and QDivisionStudios.com. Go to AboveTheBasement.com where you can sign up for our newsletter, listen and subscribe to our podcast, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and look at all the nice pictures we post on Instagram. We are everywhere. From all of us at Above the Basement, thank you for listening. Tell your friends, wear a mask, and remember, Boston music, like its history, is unique.